This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction. This is your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world, along with tips and strategies for maximizing your career in tech. We also bring you interviews with the leading women in the tech industry, talk to youth who are rapidly building their tech knowledge, and review business solutions that will give you insights on how technology is solving business problems. Now, here's your host, Jennifer Didier. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on Tech in the Right Direction. I'm your host, Jennifer Didier, President and CEO of Directions Training. Each week, we talk with industry experts about technology trends that are emerging and changing businesses today, the career journey of IT professionals, understanding the world of women in tech, as well as talking to our youth that are rapidly building their technology skill sets. We also review case studies that provide insight into how technology is solving business and world problems. I'm excited about our guest today, so let's get moving in the right direction. This week in our Tech Trends segment, I will be talking with Keith Boyd. Keith joined Microsoft in 2000 as a software test engineer, working on Windows and Internet Explorer, working on every version of Windows from Windows 2000 to Windows 8.1. He's held director-level positions in the cloud and enterprise division, worldwide learning teams, and most recently in core services, engineering and operations, where he manages a global team that is responsible for Microsoft field seller productivity and worldwide data operations. Welcome to the show, Keith. I'm so excited to have you on. It's great to be here, Jennifer. Thanks for inviting me. Sure. Um, so let's get started. Can you share with us a little bit about you and your path in technology? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I started my, my path in technology as a very young man. I taught myself how to program back when I was about 10 years old. Now, sadly, awesome. <laughs> that was on a, uh, an Atari 800, and uh, that's not going to get you a job these days. But <laughs> when I first went to university, I really thought long and hard about careers in journalism, and I was a little bit afraid to get into computer science because... I didn't want to have to do a lot of hard mathematics, but it was sort of funny how uh, this industry just kept reeling me back in. Uh, After I graduated, I got involved initially in student advocacy. I was actually the executive director for the statewide student association in Washington. And while that doesn't sound like a technology job, what I did, and this was in the early 90s, is put together the organization's first website, Uh, you know, began using it as a tool for organizing students all across the state. And I really saw the potential of the internet to kind of change everything. And so, you know, after doing that for a few years, uh, I continued to talk to friends that uh, were in the industry and uh, ultimately had a conversation with uh, a friend of mine from college who happened to be a recruiter at Microsoft. And uh, in early 2000, got an interview here. I was able to parlay some of my web skills and scripting skills into a job as a software test engineer. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. I kind of got, you know, hooked at an early age, let go of it for a little while, and was one of those fortunate few who was able to turn uh, a hobby and a passion into a career that I've really enjoyed. 
That is very impressive. And you've done some great things at Microsoft, as we've heard in your bio. So what are some of the technology trends that you're seeing today? Yeah, good good question. I just got back from Microsoft's Inspire conference. And I'll tell you, the thing that I've been talking about with everybody is this phrase that Satya Nadella coined, which is tech intensity. And, you know, really, when he talks about tech intensity, it's more than just sort of, you know, technology change, you know, not just AI and ML, but the way that technology is changing business process and how that's having such a profound impact on our entire world. And, uh, you know, I've told a lot of people that I can't think of a time in my career, and I've been now sort of in this IT, you know, uh, space for over 20 years now, where we've seen such a rapid pace of change. So I think two trends that are really the most significant in my mind are how, you know, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning are just unlocking a a world, an unparalleled world of just, you know, new, new possibilities across uh, the entire enterprise, you know, really helping us to harvest all of the insights that are being captured in the data that's all around us and, you know, uh, enabling new business opportunities and, and you know, new ways to, uh, to delight uh, our customers. So that would be one. And I think the other one that uh, I think is really interesting is the, the, the sort of the dawn of what they're calling citizen developers or, you know, people that are able to harness some of those technologies, you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence uh, to build no code or very low code solutions. So uh, I, I think this is a pretty you know, fundamental shift in the way things have happened before where you know, the world of development has kind of been um, you know, the place where you know, elite developers have had the most impact. Uh, we're in a realm now because of these sort of no code and low code solutions where just about anybody can have an impact uh, you know, building applications. So. I think it's a really exciting time. It's also kind of a scary time. I mean, you know, my kids even will ask me things about, you know, the killer robots that inevitably are going to come with AI. And, you know, it's it's interesting mm-hmm. to kind of hear the societal conversations about, you know, ethics and standards as, uh, you know, the machines start to become more and more powerful. So really, really interesting trends, I think, in our industry. Yeah, I love your thought process there, and um, I was at Inspire as well, and tech intensity is so fascinating because uh, as a trend, because now we're seeing tech intensity requiring skill intensity, right? Exactly, yeah. And so it's changing and transforming our business. No doubt about it. And I would say maybe more than any time, I mean, with all of this change around us, how do you keep up? And I'll tell you, even just for us here at Microsoft, it's not as if we're given a lot of extra time to invest in ourselves, but the expectation is when we have these big sea changes, we need to find a way to build that into our schedule. We need to keep up. We can't fall behind. So it puts a lot of pressure, I think, for everybody in our industry to just, you know, kind of carve out that extra half hour here, that extra hour there, you know, find ways to get certified in the newest technologies, you know, to get yourself into a classroom so that you can learn in a structured way or really whatever works for you. But, you know, when the pace of change is this dramatic, you know, it's just even if you're super smart, you know, you still need experts to help to convey that that knowledge upon you. And and that also means making the time. So, you know, in an industry like ours where the financial rewards can be, you know, pretty good, you know, the downside is that you never get to stop learning. So, you know, obviously I I find that exhilarating, but, you know, there are also times when I find it a little bit exhausting, right, where I Mm -hmm. feel like, uh, 
you know, how am I going to do this in, in addition to everything else that life demands from me? But uh, I think that's another thing. Tech intensity does equal skill intensity. So we got to keep up. Yeah, no, so true. Um, I think the um, area of citizen developers, when you talked about, you know, building low code solutions, that's yeah. very interesting too. And Microsoft has power apps now to help in in those low code uh, areas, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah the, yeah, the power apps platform, really, they refer to it as the power platform. And that's power apps plus flow plus power BI. And these are all you know, solutions that don't require you to necessarily to interact with, you know, an IT professional or a software engineer. You can be a knowledge worker with, you know, solid tech skills and actually build, you know, applications and services that, you know, can power business. Now, what we found at Microsoft, and I think this is a really interesting development too, is as cool as it is to be able to empower the people that are the closest to the problem. I mean, who's going to know more about what's happening on the front lines, right? The salesperson, mm -hmm or the engineer. Well, clearly it's gonna be the, the salesperson, right? Uh -huh. um, one of the downsides is when you're in an enterprise as big as Microsoft is how do you then manage, you know, what could turn out to be an explosion in citizen apps? You know, right now we're sitting on thousands of power apps now at Microsoft, which has the downside of, you know, fragmenting the corporate environment just a little bit. So, uh -huh. you know, kind of finding that balance between empowering citizen developers, but also managing your enterprise so that your IT costs don't get out of hand. I think that's a really interesting challenge that we've sort of unleashed on, uh, on some of our partners and customers. And we're just now realizing how we need to have more policy built into that platform because without it, uh, you know, things can, get out of hand, which is uh, an interesting byproduct of, of the citizen developer movement. Yeah, we don't want it to be the wild, wild west. You need That's some right. governance around it, which is so true. Now, um, we talked about skill intensity and yeah. many of the job roles that are here today didn't exist a few years ago. Right. So there's a huge gap in skill set in the market today. So what can yeah. we do as an industry to better bridge this gap? Yeah, it's such an interesting question and such a daunting one. You know, I, I was reading today that, you know, cybersecurity specialists can pretty much just name their price. So many enterprises are being attacked every day. And, you know, those could be small enterprises that, that you know, don't have a significant dedicated IT staff. There might be organizations like Microsoft, which is constantly under attack from hackers of nefarious you know, sources all over the world. So I think that, uh, you know, within our industry, it's really about having that commitment to yourself and having a commitment from our employers that you have to continuously invest. And you also, even though I know there's rarely enough hours in the day and we all probably have, you know, demands that, that exceed our ability to fulfill them, the best employers, I think the ones that are going to win in the future at actually retaining and and uh, attracting the best staff are going to be the ones that continue to invest in their people. And that's not just, you know, by saying, hey, you've got to go get certified. That's by saying, you need to get certified and we're going to give you the time, the training, the tools, access to professionals. You're going to be able to do it on the clock because we're going to invest in you. I think it's the enlightened business leaders of today that are the ones that actually are affording their employees the chances you know, in addition to, you know, getting through their day jobs, but actually carving out time so that they can invest in self, uh, you know, whatever 
learning modality that works for them. You know, that could be an in-person training. It might be a MOOC. Uh, it might be five minutes of, you know, uh, daily learning on LinkedIn learning, whatever it might be. I think that uh, it's, it's incumbent on employers to really make the time. And I think that, that will help to set them apart uh, in the workplace, help them to attract and retain the best talent. I completely agree. I think uh, employers um, do focus on training for their employees, especially IT pros, but with this rapidly changing world that we're in and the digital transformation that's happening, it, it really is critical that they focus on this blended learning solution, like you mentioned. You know, yeah. there's many ways to learn, and we have to continuously learn, otherwise we can't be relevant or keep up. That's right. So, uh, so what do you think is the value of training and certification today? I think that it's probably more important now than it's ever been. You know, when I first got my job at Microsoft, you know, I was a self-trained guy, learned how to program when he was 10, kind of got back into programming in his early 20s, learned scripting, you know, and HTML. And that was enough to get a job at Microsoft. And I've, I've choked with my kids now. My oldest is 15. He's just about ready to, to go into college. You know, I tell them that a resume like mine wouldn't even get a second look at Microsoft these days. Uh -huh. It's not the type of profile that they need. They're looking for people, you know, and just like Google, just like Amazon, just like most major technology companies with cutting edge skills that are, you know, they have resumes that really demonstrate that they're investing in self. You know, they're interested in blockchain. They're interested in cybersecurity. They're interested and invested in artificial intelligence and machine learning. And, you know, there's demonstrable proof that the employees that you're bringing into your IT shop, you know, have uh, a lifelong dedication to learning. And it can manifest in degrees. It can manifest in certifications. It might manifest in, you know, graduating from a, a coding boot camp. But whatever it is, I think that that really is maybe more important now than it's ever been. And, you know, I think about our own enterprise here. I mean, the people that we want selling our products, not just building them, but, you know, they're certified on Azure, right? They're certified on the latest technologies. We want people that can go out to sell our products that can talk to the CTO, you know, the CIO, to, you know, the, uh, the development staff and the IT shops and talk to them as peers. So even in, you know, what have traditionally been non-technical roles, having that technical background, having that, you know, that label of being a certified professional is becoming more and more important. So, you know, to my mind, the best thing that you can do uh, regardless of whether or not you're full-time employed, contracting, or, you know, just entering the, the job places, continue to invest in yourself, find new ways to just develop skills, get them certified, because that will help you to stand out from the crowd. Yeah, we, we continuously tell our students to, you know, always after training to think about taking the test and getting certified yeah. because it's an industry stamp of their knowledge of their abilities. And that goes a long way. But sometimes a lot of our students, you know, they're so busy with life yeah. and they have the skill set, but they don't sure. go take the exam. And so we're constantly encouraging them to do so. It's great advice. It's a missed opportunity if you don't make the time. Right. Right. So I know this is a loaded question. Where sure. do you see technology in the next five to 10 years? When I look back, I think, oh, my God, I could never imagine where we are today that I couldn't yeah. have guessed that. But what, what is your vision? 
Yeah, it's such an interesting question because I think you're going to see an acceleration on a lot of these trends that we already talked about. I mean, certainly, I don't think the tech is going to become any less intense, right? The intensity is only going to keep up. I do think that you're going to continue to see the development of uh, low-code, no-code solutions. I think that we're just at the very beginning of that effort. And over time, empowering knowledge workers you know, on the front lines to really solve their own problems without having to interface you know, with the development staff and IT shop, I think that that's going to really become a big trend for us. You know, just a few years ago, they talked about big data as the next big thing, and, and I don't want to dismiss it at all. I mean, big data, of course, is critical, and data scientists are going to continue to, uh, you know, be amongst the most in-demand, you know, uh, uh, employees in an organization. But what I think you're going to really see, too, is, you know, moving from a world where we're only evaluating about 1% to 2% of that data around us for insights to a much deeper understanding of all of that data that's everywhere. We keep capturing more and more every year, but, but so much of it is just you know, on the shelf. I think because of breakthroughs in AI, ML, cloud processing power, storage, we're gonna see much, much deeper understanding of those data sets that are being captured all around us. And I think it's going to be used you know, hopefully primarily for good in our society, although, you know, I also pray a little, about it, a little bit about the you know, nefarious ways that all that mm -hmm. data can be used, the, you know, how our, our privacy, you know, I don't think that we as people uh, anywhere in this world really value it as much as we probably should, but I think you're just going to see an explosion of really smart algorithms that understand just about everything there is to know about you because that mm -hmm. data is going to be analyzed, assessed, and processed in ways that's actionable. And we're going to move from, you know, two to 5% of the world's data being evaluated to nearly all of it because of these breakthroughs in data science, AI and ML in the cloud. That's so amazing and scary at the same time. Exactly. I know. Yeah, no, I'm kind of trembling as I say it, you know, yeah. and, it, and then it's going to manifest in other ways that are just going to blow our minds. I mean, are we going to have fully self-driving cars within 10 years? It's mm -hmm. the same technology that would enable it, right? I mean, our cars, you know, the most advanced cars, they're gathering, you know, gigabytes of data every minute that you're on the road, just taking it all in via sensors, processing it, largely taking it up to the cloud where it can do the compute, sending it back down. And, and uh, I don't know, I mean, within 10 years, is that going to be the norm? I think so. And yet I was just talking to my 15 year old about this the other day. What about all those cars that aren't self-driving? How do you take into account, you know, human beings? How does how does the machine predict what a human's going to do? Because uh -huh. there's one thing we know about human beings, they're very unpredictable. So I think that's gonna be a, another fascinating one for us to watch. And the moral and ethical implications of self-driving cars, you know, they're pretty well documented, but it's gonna come, you know, it's gonna become a real world challenge. I mean, the, it's already happened where you know, an autonomous car has you know, killed a human being. What, yeah. what happens that starts to become the norm? Do we become numb right. to it? Do we pass new laws? Do we regulate technology? No, I think it's going to be a fascinating thing for us to watch over the next 10 years, though. I agree. And new disruptors are going to be um, coming out, you know, That's on right. a daily basis. So very no interesting. Doubt. Very no interesting. Um, so this is a great one. And if you have the magic answer, I think all our listeners would be uh, glued to listening and, and following your advice. But technology is really competing for our attention, right? All these devices uh, people have multiple computers, multiple tablets, multiple phones. 
how do you focus? How do you uh, deal with these distractions? How do you create balance? Yeah, it's such a good question. And of mm -hmm. course, with three kids at home, I yes. wish that we'd been able to find balance because it is, it's a constant battle. And I, uh, you know, I'll have to admit too that just the other day, you know, I spend almost all of my time at work on a computer. And then of course, I spend way too much time at home on a phone. I went to the doctor the other day because I was having problems with my uh, my, my right forearm and I was diagnosed with tennis elbow, which was oh. interesting because I haven't played tennis in years. And uh, my doctor <laughs> let me know that, well, it's probably from the way you're holding your phone. And, yeah. uh, you know, boy, it just really kind of brought home the fact that the technology that we use is just so addictive, right? You know, it's, uh, it, I'm, I'm codependent, right? I'm almost a cyborg already, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Obviously, we just need to find time to unplug. We, we need to make the time. I've been trying to do that more and more, just you know, putting my phone away so that I can actually engage in real conversations. But it is just so much easier said than done, you know, especially in an environment where the expectation is that you know, you're available more or less 24-7. You know, I work yeah. in the tech industry, and you know, uh, even... When I'm home with my family, I've got a team all over the world. And you know, if they ping me on Teams at 2 a.m., they don't expect me to get right back to them. But you know, they do expect nearly you know, synchronous communication. So I think it's sort of the question of our times. And I think that uh, you know, it's a bit of a reckoning that we're going through as a society right now, too, because our quality of life, as much as you know, these devices have enabled so many incredible new scenarios, you know, if we, if we give in to them, our quality of life also suffers. So, I, you know, I just, I guess I'd encourage everybody, myself included, to just unplug as often as you possibly can. Take that time to just experience the great outdoors, you know, take a deep breath, you know, whatever it might be. Take a hike, you know, go somewhere where the cell service is terrible. Force <laughs> yourself to do it. So I, I wish I had the answer, um, but I, like so many others, am a victim of the addictive nature of the technology that we build. And I'm grateful for it and terrified by it, sort of in equal measures. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think we just have to uh, focus and make a pact with ourselves that we are going to unplug periodically during the day, during the evenings, during the weekends, you know, because exactly. it does become overwhelming. The one rule so, we have in my family is just mm -hmm. no cell phones at the dinner table. That's, that's it. Perfect. Put them that's down, turn them off. It's easy and it's really made a difference. That's great. You know, you want to have engaging conversations with your family and the phone is such a distraction. I go to dinner sometimes and I see couples sitting at the dinner table uh, and they're both on their phones. Nobody's talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, no, I see God. it too. And you're just like, wow, this is the new normal, huh? Okay. Right, right. Not good. <laughs> yeah, not good um, anyway, in um, closing, what sure. advice? you give to an IT professional who's starting yeah. out today? Yeah, boy, such a great question. I think the one thing that I would really advise, in addition to what we've already talked about, you know, keep your skills up to date. It is mm -hmm. just critical. Find the time. Think about what you could be learning today. And if you ask yourself that question every single day, you stay curious. You're going to stay on top of the technology trends. You're going to stay relevant, especially if you're lucky and fortunate and happen to be with an employer that will help you to continue to invest in your own skills. So I think that that's, you know, kind of advice A. Advice B, and, you know, I've learned this now over the course of 20 years at Microsoft, and 
I'd like to say that it's always just about what you know, but I do think that that old adage about it being just as important, who you know is important. So when you get a chance within your own enterprise, when you get a chance to go to conferences, you know, wherever it might be, just network, network relentlessly, because you never know when you're going to need somebody in a position and another organization that might be able to help you out. You just can't have too many friends in this industry. And I'll tell you, one of the very best ways that you can learn is by having a trusted network of associates that are outside of your you know, current company or organization. You know, Get that external perspective, somebody that you trust that might work at maybe not a competitor, but you know, at a similar organization that might have just a different perspective. It, just in my experience, it's been incredibly powerful over the course of 20 years at Microsoft to have colleagues that I trust and, and that I depend on, you know, that are outside of the Microsoft firewall because they can help me kind of see through, uh, you know, the corporate, um, you know, the corporate mumbo jumbo and, and help to make sure that I'm not always just drinking the Kool-Aid. So, you know, really invest in your network just as much as you invest in yourself. Great advice. Um, having, you know, making your skills making sure that your skills are relevant, continuous learning, lifelong learning, um, and then really networking and building your personal board of advisors, I think is is really, really important. Keith, it was a pleasure having you. This was so exciting. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I had a lot of fun. Great. Stay tuned for another exciting interview just around the corner. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it in-person, virtual, on-demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Welcome back to Tech in the Right Direction. This week in our next-gen tech segment, I will be talking with Melissa Corrales. Melissa is an incoming ASU freshman at Barrett, the Honors College, and will be majoring in business law. She's also into politics and has participated in competitions on both the national and state level. Melissa is bilingual and fluent in Spanish. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thanks for having me. So let's get started. Um, so can you share with me a little bit about your interest and your journey through, you know, your maybe high school or even grade school years? Um, I know you didn't take a path to technology, so kind of take us through what interests you and, um, and why. I feel like almost the biggest thing that threw me into interacting more with technology was school mainly because you needed that to have access to research or to have access to different databases that just made my or pursuing my interest a lot more mm -hmm. easier and accessible for me. 
So I felt so, like that's why I started mm-hmm. getting more into technology when before I really just had seen it as a resource, but not something that I really wanted to go into or ever really explore. So, so tell me, um, so you were thrown into it, you know, based on school. School requires you to have technology. How did you feel about that? Did you like it? Were you curious about it? Or did you say, okay, this is just something necessary that I need to do, but I'll just do what I need to do and that's it? Oh, no. It was actually, it was really nice when our uh, high school went one-to-one mm-hmm. last year. They provided laptops to all of the students that we could use them in the classrooms. But what was almost alarming to me, it's something that had never crossed my mind, is that a lot of the student population didn't own a laptop or a home computer at home, so that that one-to-one made it really easy to them, for them to have technology accessible in their own homes, which was not something that I'd previously thought about. Because mm-hmm. I have my own laptop, and my brother has his own laptop, so having the school one was more of like, it's nice and it's there and I can use it at school, but it's not a necessity. However, when I talked to other kids about it, like for them, it was completely game changing the way that they approach school and the way that every, that technology helps them learn. That's really interesting. So when you got a laptop, did you, um, did you just jump in with both feet? How did you learn to use it? How, um, what types of things did you do with your laptop outside of school? The reason I got a laptop was I kept stealing my brothers to take it to debate competitions, and mm. he wasn't happy with that. So I got a laptop. I downloaded some uh, research software on there, and pretty much that's all I did with it. I'm terrible at updating it, but, yeah. That's great. Um, so do you use it for fun at all besides your, uh, debates and competitions? Yeah, I use it a lot for Netflix and just accessing social media. I'm not really big on like downloading games and stuff on it, but Mm -hmm. it's good for entertainment purposes. That's great. Um, so, you know, obviously technology is something you grew up with. It, um, you know, you got a laptop at an early age. Um, tell me, you know, if you thought about a business problem or a world problem that you would solve with technology, what would that look like? I would focus on making technology more accessible to the general public, mm-hmm. just because it's alarming the amount of people who don't have a stable internet connection and the amount of people who, if they do have that, they don't have access to, like, or sophisticated technology such as laptops or home computers in their own homes. Like they have to travel to libraries or other places where you can, one, access Wi-Fi and then to get your hands on technology that you might need for your everyday life. So, yeah, that's that's a great, great problem to solve. I know the governments and uh, a lot of associations are working on getting Internet access you know, to every part of the world because there are some parts of the world that don't have that internet access. And we know today everything is in the cloud, everything needs internet access. So it is so critical for everybody to have that ability. And I think it was very interesting what you said um, that, you know, when you have something, you take it kind of for granted. You thought, you know, everybody has a laptop. And then the kids that didn't have access to a laptop really found that beneficial 
uh, and grew their skill set quite a bit. So that's that's really interesting, and I'm so glad the school did that. Um, so you know, tell me a little bit about. Do you face any obstacles in technology uh, today? Like, do you stumble on different things and say this is a problem, and how do you overcome that? My biggest thing is procrastination on just updating the mm -hmm. technology that I have, so mm -hmm. it can be outdated at some point. And usually, my brother reminds me about it all the time. So procrastinating because uh, you don't like the change, or you just don't have time to do it. So tell me, tell me a little bit why. What's behind that procrastination of not updating? I just don't think about it. Like to me, oh, okay. I I understand that it's necessary, but I don't know. I feel like it still works and it still works. And when it starts to like affect other programs that I like to run on the computer, then I start to think about yeah. updating. But a lot of times, it's just like purely I just don't feel like doing it. That, yeah. I know um, we have some employees as well as um, my husband is very uh, resistant to changing his computer because everything works the way it does. And every time an update comes in, you know, it moves things around, mm -hmm. it looks different and he just doesn't like that change. So that's why I wanted to ask you. Um, so, you know, there, there we're, we're struggling today with trying to get more girls and women into technology how what would you think uh we could do uh, from a um girls standpoint to really attract them into technology and keep them into a technology career because today those numbers are you know um declining so any thoughts on that definitely i feel like it's important to start little girls off with technology early on. I was really fortunate that my parents had introduced us at a really early age. I believe we had these old little like Mac computers at the age of five, me and my brother. Mm -hmm. So it was never that they would favor, it was never that they showed technology more to one uh, twin simply because he was a male Mm -hmm. It was more that Ricardo just, my brother just took more of a, a liking towards technology than I did. Mm -hmm. And I feel like to really get girls into it and really get them interested, we have to teach them. And we have to show them that, hey, this isn't just something that your brother can use, or this isn't just something that is meant for guys to do, like you can do it too. Right, right. So really encourage it, encourage the learning and the teaching of it early on. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of households might fail on that particular aspect because little boys are introduced to video games and they're introduced to computer games or game consoles on an early age and you don't see that as much with girls. It's changing, obviously, as the times are changing, but it's just something that we should probably think about. I agree. I think, you know, introducing it at an early age um, making sure it's teachable in the sense that, you know, it becomes exciting um, because we're still, you know, we see a lot of girls interested in technology, but we just need to build that pipeline to have more mm -hmm. girls into technology. So, yeah, that's great advice. Um, so, you know, through your journey and using technology on a daily basis, uh, what would you like technology to solve in the future? What kind of, you know, what kind of problem would you see 
uh, technology really making a difference? Well, technology really does help a lot us to become well informed. However, that can be something that will backfire. That can backfire later on when we get informed with the wrong type of news or wrong mm -hmm. information. Mm -hmm. But I do feel that it's creating a much more educated population of citizens mm -hmm. because we have this entire database of information just at our fingertips. So it's not like our parents who used to have to spend hours in the library just to research a paper. Like we can essentially, if a question strikes our mind, we can look it up and find the answer right in that second. And I feel like that's something that's really, really cool that technology is helping us solve. Yeah, and there's so much information today about anything and everything. You know, today we don't wonder anymore. We just look it up, right? Um, yeah. Wherever we are, if I'm wondering, like, how old is this actor or actress? I can just look that up. If I, you know, can't think of the movie that that person was in, that actor was in, I can look it up. It's just even through conversations, we can have the answers right at our fingertips. So you're right. Information is so important and uh, will continue to be important. But we got to make sure it's the right information. It's accurate. It's, um, you know, doing... Uh, a good service rather than a bad service. So, yeah, very, very good. Um, so if you look forward in, um, in your career and you are going to be majoring in business law, very, very interesting and very, you know, congratulations. It's a great field. Um, tell me how, how you're going to bring technology into what you do. Um, well, technology's been very useful for me, just as we've heard throughout this interview with the research aspect and to continue in uh, business law. They have, and just law in general, there's different uh, databases and pieces of software that you can download that just make it easier to keep files organized and keep information on hand. So it does cut down on the amount of work that you have to do, and it also helps you out keeping you organized and everything. That's great, yeah. So all the databases, all the laws, all the changes that happen so frequently are all accessible through technology. And, you know, it's everywhere you go. So you can be anywhere and you can have access to that data, which really, really helps. Yeah. That's great. Um, well, Melissa, thank you so much. This was a pleasure having you on the show. And I hope to kind of follow your journey and good luck at ASU at the Honors College. Very impressive. Um, so thank you again. Thank you. And now an exclusive offer for our listeners. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training. Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum, on-demand courses, for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. 
Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.